we'll start. Father, we just thank you um, for your goodness and kindness, Lord, for your mercy to us. You are amazing. You are awesome. We sang it to you tonight. And we're so grateful to be saved. We're so grateful uh, for you shedding your blood for us, paying the sacrifice that we couldn't pay, and to bridge the gap between us and Father God. Lord, we, are, we just want to remind ourselves and thank you again for all that you've done for us and for the sacrifice that you made for us. And we don't take it lightly, and we never forget. And so, Father, we just thank you. And, Lord, just give us ears to hear and hearts to receive tonight the things that we're going to share, Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit minister. And, Father, if someone's not feeling well or is discouraged in any way, Father, I pray that you'll refresh those that are in the house tonight. Father, not only us in this room, but the, the children, the youth, Lord, just bring a, a beautiful refreshing of your spirit. Just pour out, Lord, for healing and, and encouragement, Father, and just a, you're the lifter of our heads. And we just thank you. And Father, I thank you for making a way where there seems to be no way in, in all circumstances. And we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight it's part 10, part 2 of part 10. Or Stephanie told me I could call it part B, so... Something like that. Last week we began the 10th the discipline was talking about worship. It's living as a worshiper in your life. And, you know, you don't have to have music to be a worshiper. You can just say a worshiping words to God. You don't have to have a tune playing. That helps. You can do that. But we just lift our hearts in worship, in gratefulness, in thankfulness to him. And I tell you what, I gave a little testimony before we left last week about, you know, a little song that God gave me when my dad had had a heart attack. And I just walked around singing that song. And while I was singing, God was healing my dad. So, you know, he just, just worship is, um, remember how we sing that song, um, I raise a hallelujah. Remember my melody, the melody is, it's my weapon. It's our melody. It's what we sing to God. And God gives us, you know, he tells us all kinds of things in here. And, um, you know, the deal is, do we, uh, how does it say in James, are, are we uh, hearers and doers of the word or just forgetful hearers? James talks about being a forgetful hearer, but we don't want to forget. Because God wrote these things down for us because, you know why, they help us. They put us over. They bring victory. They, they're spiritual warfare. And you know, you may not understand it here. You don't have to. If God says it in here and says to do it, say, lift up. What does he say? He says, put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's one thing that he says in his word. Well, you know what? It doesn't mean you, quote, feel like putting it on. It means you just put it on. Hey, God said if you'll put that on, that old spirit of heaviness will leave you. And so you just put on the garment of praise and you just be saying, I praise you, Lord. I just thank you. And you know what? That old spirit of heaviness will go because you've put on the garment of praise. You know, when I was first saved, those are things like, like that that I learned. And you know what? It never gets old because it's those simple things that put us over. You know, let's walk in the simple things. Let's practice the simple things. I, I've been... Just pondering on walking in the light, I'm thinking, well, God, he's going to give me a message on that walking in the light. Because, you know, when we walk in the light, we can see where we're going. And there's, I believe there's things that put us in the light. I think there's things that remove the light, that darken up, you know, our world. And so we want to, we want to walk in the light. And I believe worship turns on the light. 
and putting on that garment of praise, especially when you don't feel like it, especially when it looks bleak. That's the time to put it on. And sometimes I just like to act like I am literally doing it, you know, and acting it out. So we're doers of the word. We're hearers. And then we, and then we do what he says out of faith. This is what God said. This is what I'm going to do. So we're just talking about that. We're talking about living as a worshiper and the benefits of that and the blessings in that and just the rewards in that. It's, you know, it's a reward to sense the presence of God upcoming upon you. It's, it's a reward to sense the joy and the peace of God just coming up when you're just worshiping. There's rewards in it. So as Christians who walk with Christ, that's who we are in the house. We're Christians who walk with Christ. We have a personal and a private devotional time. We talked about that some last week. Um, there's a couple of ways. In, we do it privately. We come together as a church. We have a public worship or a corporate worship life. You know, we regularly assemble ourselves together. The Bible, what has God said, don't forget the assembling together of yourselves again another thing he's written down for us to heed or to and it's not it's he's not doing it well you better do it or else he's saying this is good for you this will help you he didn't write them down just so we could go yeah i don't feel like it (laughs) although we don't feel like it sometime but that's the very time we need to do it god wrote them down for our help i tell you what if we'll walk in it you'll see more victory you'll see uh I tell you what, I think that I think things will look a whole lot different to you. It doesn't mean they change right like that, but I tell you what, hope will rise in your heart. And so we worship privately. We worship together with the people of God in a local congregation. Uh, we worship with um, K-Love or Spirit or something on our radios, you know. I tell you what, I was so thankful when I learned about contemporary Christian music and it was on the radio. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing to have good news flowing into you and through you every time you ride in that car. What a blessing. You know, by the way, our gathering together for worship is God's idea, not man's. You know, some pastor didn't say, hey, you need to come to It's God's idea. He wants us to meet together. He wants us to gather together as brothers and sisters in the Lord and with other saints to encourage each other he wants us to do it corporately he wants us to do it privately he wants us to have a worship life he wants us to live as a worshiper hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this in the passion translation i love this it says this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together that's the one that says don't forget to assemble together but this is how the passion says it hebrews 10 Verse 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Even in the early church, obviously, they had begun to pull away and not meet as regularly, even when they first formed and began the early church. So Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, some think Paul did, and we don't know for sure. But who the writer of Hebrews saying, now is not the time to neglect that. That's not the time. I tell you what, never is the time to neglect it because there's power in it. There's protection in gathering together as God's people to worship. 
He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning, the day of his coming. We should meet together even more frequently, this verse says, as that day comes. You know, the enemy doesn't want us to assemble together. He doesn't want us to come to church on Sundays or Wednesdays or Friday nights or Sunday mornings early. He doesn't want us to gather together. So he'll whisper in our ears, you know, lies and and uh, just stuff to try to keep us away. And we have to recognize that. It could be your flesh saying, <laughs> you know, even my flesh sometimes goes, oh, I'm tired, you know. You know that joke, it says, but you're the pastor, you have to go. You know, but we want to go. And, you know, we went to church before we ever pastored. We've grown in God because we've assembled ourselves in, in prayer meetings before we had a church. And not to pat us on the back, just to say, uh, God's word's true. It works. You'll keep going. We haven't fallen away because we've just continued to meet together, to gather together, to press forward. And God and I encourage you in your walk. We're all in different places in our walks. But these are basics that are true. No matter if you just got saved yesterday or you're not saved yet and you want to be. You know, these are truths that will push you through to victory and bring you through to victory and help you. You know, uh, there's a verse that talks about sowing to the Spirit. These are things that cause us to sow. You know, we can sow one of two places. Sow like sowing seeds, planting seeds. And there's two places we can sow. We can either sow to the Spirit or we can sow to our flesh. That's the truth. And then whatever you're sowing to, that's what you're going to reap from. It's not that God's doing it, but we're opening ourselves up either to the good things of God and we're listening to good things that are feeding us and we're pulling down crummy thoughts. You know, what does the Bible say? Take every thought captive that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. We're doing that, you know, or we're listening to some trash. You know, we used to watch Willie George and they had a little music DVD and they talked about garbage in and garbage out. You know, we put garbage in. That's what's going to come out. And I don't say it to condemn us. It's just the truth. You know, if you eat junk food, junk food, and yes, I do. I know. I do eat junk food. My daughter is in the house. She knows I eat junk food. I'm not saying I don't. But it's not all I eat. I had broccoli and cauliflower and a carrot today. So I feel so healthy. Anyway. (laughs) But I had peanut M&Ms on the way to get Chloe. So anyway. I did drink water with that. And peanuts are good for you. But the deal is, whatever we feed on, just coat them in chocolate. You know? Mmm. Make them go down. So much easier. So, you know... It's what we put in. And it's these things that God gives us that are in his word. It's so, um, it's just so helpful in such the way that he has for us. You know, um, if we'll come to church and we'll sing and we'll just love on God and we'll give and we'll listen and not criticize and we'll smile and we'll praise and we'll look past the faults of others or maybe look past imperfect people and look to God. And we'll worship him and not analyze everything that's going on or not analyze the skills or the lack thereof of the worship team. You know, just, just enter in and just come 
Because God is here to meet with you. And he's in you, and he meets with you at your house. But I tell you, he wants to do great things. And I want to encourage you. You know, when Scott Windrum was here the other night, he talked about prophesying. And prophesying, um, I'm gonna, I'll just break it down what I believe simply. It's just something that one definition could be that God just puts on your heart, a word of encouragement. Prophesy means to speak forth. And I just encourage you to expect God to speak something to your heart for someone else that's here that comes to church. That you would come not only expecting God to minister to you, but expect that God wants to flow through each one of you to someone. There might be someone that's sitting near you and you'll just hear God. Maybe he'll say, go over and just tell them that you love them. Or go over and tell them. That I love them. Or tell them, are you okay? Do you need prayer? Or maybe it's just, you know, I feel like God is telling me this. You know, that's okay. And you know what? Prophecy and prophesying is encouragement. So you could just go and say, when God nudges your heart, because it comes inside, you just begin to get this sense that God wants to say something to someone through you. And you might just... You might just hear, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that everything's going to be okay. You know, and these might sound like real simple words, but if you're going through dark, dark darkness, those words just shine that light right in, dispels all that darkness. Hope arises in your heart and you're going, I am going to make it. You know, and God wants you to do that. You know what? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just listen and let God be open, be expectant. Say, Lord, I want to do that. I'm willing. You know, the gifts of the Spirit aren't hard. They're not this big woo-woo. They're just God speaking to you on the inside and then you carrying it to the person that he wants. It might be a healing. He might want you to pray for someone's healing and he's going to heal them. I don't know, but it's just so beautiful. And when we come together... I mean, you can in the grocery store. He'll do it anywhere. But when we come together, even in the body of Christ, it, to me, it just flows so easily. You know, if we open ourselves to his love and being willing to be faithful in church attendance, we will find his reward in that. I can tell you there is reward in that. And you're going, oh, what am I going to get from God? I'm going to go, you know. Well, go ahead and prove him, you know. He will reward you. That's why you want to go. Hey, if God's going to give me a reward, I'm going, well, good. Just come for that reason. That's okay. But pretty soon you'll be coming just because you like it. And whether it's this church, it's to the body of Christ of going and being a part of a fellowship. The early church worshipped on Sunday. Then I realize some people don't agree and they have. They do Saturday. They do something else. But what we see from is that the early church worshipped on Sunday because they recognized it as the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And every weekly assembly was a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. You know what? They were putting themselves in remembrance of what he had done. Because you know what? The enemy wants to come and try to steal and, and make you forget what God's done, what God wants to do, what he's capable of doing for you in your life and the price that he's paid. So that gathering together just kept putting in remembrance. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. Remember he's coming again. Remember this. Here's four reasons to continue 
that celebration to continue gathering together every week. And y'all come. Some of y'all come twice. And if you go the ladies three times. But there's four reasons to come in worship at a weekly appointed time. And number one would be we will find that grace is released to us. I can tell you this, whether it being when we've pastored or when we sat under our other pastor or we went to another church, I could come into church feeling tired, wrung out, discouraged or whatever, but I always left lifted, always, always left lifted up out of that. Now, let me say this. Avail yourself to what God has here. Say, Lord, I'm here, and I'm here to meet you. And he will pour out upon you. So you'll find the grace that's released to us because we make room for that grace through our coming to worship together, through the discipline of attending church. It's a discipline. There's an obedience to it. He said, don't forget to assemble yourselves together. There's obedience. You know, when God writes these things, like if you write something down for your kids or you tell them something, do you feel like that? It's like, well, if you feel like it, no, you think. And especially if you're telling them something that's good for them or it's going to protect them or it's going to help them or it's going to build character into their life or it's going to cause them to grow in some way, you just uh, consider that they've just heard what you said and they're going to act on it. Well, sometimes I think we are just so, think we can take it or leave it. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way. I mean, well, let me put it this way. Sometimes we think we can take it or leave it, and we wonder why our lives are just falling apart. You know? Well, maybe we've not taken it and walked in it. And again, there's just blessing in obedience. Is there a blessing in obedience for your children? Yeah, they act like little stinkers. Is there a little blessing in there? Mm -mm. (laughs) There's a little discipline in there, you know? So I'm just saying, I'm just... God has ways. You may not understand them, but I can worship at home. If you can't get out, hey, that's great. But if you can, he said, assemble together. You know, we think we can make up our own stuff in our head. You know, like uh, you tell your child to go take the trash out, and they get empty one can, one little trash can into that and take it out and don't get the rest of them. I mean, you see what I mean? We just kind of make up our stuff in our head. I mean, we don't like it when our kids do it, but we do it. We do it with God and other stuff. Aren't y'all glad y'all came tonight? Anyway, (laughs) Mama got the ruler out tonight. No, I don't. I'm just trying to help us. (laughs) So number two, gathering together, it gives us a chance to acknowledge with humility, I need the body of Christ. We need to be with the local body because we are members of a living body. That's what the Bible says. And the member that gets separated or separates themselves from the body. You know in the natural what happens. If a member of our body gets separated, it decays. It begins to die. And that's true of us as members of this body or any member of any body of Christ. And number three. Us gathering together means that we acknowledge a distinct accountability to the body of Christ. We show a practical availability to serve. We allow a place and a time for correction that God just says, you know what? 
that's hurting you. Let me take care of that. You know those attitudes? They're hurting you. Let's get that taken care of. Let me have those. So when we come together, he's able to, he, his corrections are because he loves us. When you correct your children, it's because you're, you hate them. No, you love them and you want to help them and bring, bring them up to victory in their lives. When we come, we show up and by our presence, we acknowledge that we are submitted to Christ's rule and through his church. When we come, we've said, Lord, you tell us not to forget to assemble ourselves. We are not forgetting. So we demonstrate that. You know what? You demonstrate it to your children. You want your children to follow God? You want them? We're the examples. That's the truth. Yeah. Alan's told y'all before we had a, in our movie theaters, it would have this little stained glass window thing and this little, you know, picture on it. And it would say, don't, you know, don't uh, send your children to church. It would say, take them. And just talking about, not only that, but examples of other. We are a living letter to those around us that may not know the Lord. And when church is important to us and God's important to us and we make time, maybe one day they'll say, well, I'd, maybe I'd like to come. You know, that's what happened to Alan and I. You know, I went to a Bible study for about a year, and he stayed home and kept the kids. And I was glad. <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty selfish, I guess. I, didn't even, I, I don't know if I asked him. I don't really know. But one night, one day, he said to me, well, well I think I want to go. I thought, oh, i got to get a babysitter. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I wasn't doing it because, oh, I had to go. Oh, I better go. Oh, it's Bible study. Not a... I was just following God and hungry for him and wanting to be. It was so much fun to come together with God's people and we begin to worship. I'm telling you what, the praises went up and the glory came down just like in here. You know, you just go, oh, I just can't wait till next Monday night. And so, but he just, you know, but it was just from that. So you never know who you're affecting. I wouldn't beat him on the head. I'm just saying you never know who you're influencing around you by what you do. And number four, when we come to church, we manifest this model that in all things we're showing ourselves to be a pattern of good works. You know, the Bible talks about us doing good works, not to earn our salvation, but it's the fruit of our salvation. Those good works is the fruit of who we are. You know, I go to church to be with saints. Hey, I went to other places to be with the sinners, you know. And I'll still go there as a saint, but just say, come on, you know, come out of this stuff. But I don't go to all those places anymore. But I'm just saying, we are patterns. We're patterns to others. We're living epistles, the Bible says, to be read of all men. People read our lives. And by worshiping together at an appointed time, we show a pathway for others to observe. Not as this self-righteous display, well, look at me, but rather as a demonstration of the Lord's way in our lives. And it's a good way. His ways are good. And the last thing I want to talk about this, I say this every Sunday, um, that when we give, it's worship, that we are worshiping God with our gifts. And, you know, worship involves the stewardship of what God has blessed us with materially. Materially, he's already given it to us. And, you know, it's really his. Where do you think you got it from? 
you know. He's given it to us. And honestly, you know, sometimes, you know, especially, uh, you know, being uh, pastors, you know, I think, oh, it's so hard to talk about giving because I don't want them to think or trying to make you give. But, but you know, I tell you everything else that the Bible says, and I have to tell you what the Bible says, and what you do with it is your choice. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that when I learned the truth or the principle about giving, I didn't know it. You know, you can't do what you don't know. But once I learned it, once I knew, then we began to act on it. And um, I believe that... um, This is what I believe. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower. And, you know, when you plant seeds in the ground, they grow a harvest. You know, if you're a good farmer, I've got a few not come up, but anyway. But you know what I'm talking about. Normally, the good farmers, all those big corn crops, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I go pick up Chloe, and there's corn galore, all these big old plants. You know, it's beautiful, beautiful. Cotton, now cotton's out. I want to get over there and pluck up some of that cotton. But anyway, um, but I'm just saying, God gives us seeds to sow, and in our giving, it, it's seeds. And so, and Andrew Womack has been talking about stewardship. And if you don't, and he was talking about this, you know, that, that, the, that the, in our giving, you know, he said, if you're a farmer, if you ate all your seeds and you didn't plant anything, guess what? You're not going to have a crop, a harvest. You, nothing's going to come up because you ate it all. And that's the truth about our finances and our stewardship. If we don't take that 10%, if we don't take and plant it and release it into the ground that God has given us, then we eat all our seed and the crop came up and it won't come up. He gives seeds to the sower. And what I'm saying about that is that, you know, Alan and I just began by faith doing that. But I believe with my whole heart that sowing and giving and planting, uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, I've got my retirement. Well, we, 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 you know, well, I will tell you I've never worked anywhere where I got retirement, okay? <laughs> never worked anywhere. In fact, pay self-employment all the time. So, But I'm not complaining. I'm thankful for jobs and callings and things. But the point is this. We've never relied on what we could store up for retirement but I'm going to tell you that our, I, what I've relied on, and again, I don't go, well, I'm giving, so God, now you need to, just out of a heart of love and cheerfulness and what God's word says, I'm counting on him to take care of us. And I haven't figured it all out, but I'm going to tell you, he's done things for us more than I could ever imagine. I believe it is because we've just been faithful just faithful to sow when it's been lean, but not been easy, and when it's been loaded. It both, and I'm just saying, telling you the truth of this. If you're struggling financially, and you may say, "Well, I can't give ten percent," you know what that would be? Well, then start somewhere and trust God. Trust Him. I just encourage you, trust Him and just begin to give and to do. I'm. T- I believe with my. I mean. He says, prove me. Well, we've proven him. And he's faithful. And help comes from I don't know where. I mean, I know it comes from him, but he makes it come up from places. You know, I I can remember one time. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm almost. Yeah, I don't have it anymore. Oh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, 
You know, I can remember asking my friend one time because we, oh, my gosh, we, we could get in some stuff with our finances. And we're sowing and we're tithing. But, like, we were $10,000 in the red in our books and all this stuff. I don't know. I can't even explain. I don't even know how God did it. But I asked my friend. I said, because I didn't know. And I said, is it, is it, I don't know if I said, is it dumb? I think I said, is it dumb? I said, is it dumb or is it okay for me to believe that God can bring us up out of this? I mean, you know, I don't know how I could be so dumb to ask a dumb question like that, but I was. I guess I thought, am I asking too much of God? Is this, is this too hard for God? You know, and we can do that sometimes. And, I, and she said, oh, no. I mean, just one word from my friend, just one word. That's all she had to say to me. I thought, well, it was done. It was good as done. And however God brought us up out of that financial mess and others, I have no idea. But he did it. But we just kept sowing and we just kept believing and kept sowing cheerfully and, and, and in thanksgiving for all that he was doing. And our eyes, you know what? Our eyes just got off the finances. It just got off the check, but got off of that and just staying on to God. And he just didn't. I just say it to encourage you, if you're struggling, trust him and begin to just launch out into the deep of giving and allow him to prove himself to you. That's what I want to say. Because it is worship, and that's what we're talking about tonight. The Bible makes very clear that giving of tithes and the bringing of offerings are, are not are not just old covenant practices because some people say that because the tithing was given before the law was ever given in the Bible. And so it was Melchizedek. So it was before the law came. So tithing passes through the cross. Giving passes through. Second Corinthians chapter 3 teaches that the glory of the new covenant, which we are in, will exceed the glory of the old. So if the practice of tithing was designated for God's people in the Old Testament, how can a New Testament believer do less? That's the truth of the word. We can't. And if we grasp the spirit of New Testament giving and what God has given. He didn't give it to us as law. Well, you have to and you're under a curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. We are not under a curse. Now we get out, give out of love. We give out of thankfulness. We give from a cheerful heart. And we give from what we see that the Bible says, give and it'll be given to you. Say, oh, well, I'm going to give and I'm going to get. Well, the truth is you will. But don't make that your motive. Just know that that's the truth of what he says because it is true. The principle is that the giving patterns of the new covenant cannot retreat to less than what was practiced under the old covenant. Not because we're saved by it, because we're not, but rather because our stewardship is worship. And our giving should manifest the spirit of the New Testament which transcends the old. Jesus confirmed he approved the practice of tithing. We see it in Matthew 23, 23. The Pharisees were tithing. And by the way, all they asked them to tithe on was the grain and wine and oil. And there they're tithing every little herb. And that looks good on the outside. But you know what they were doing? Jesus got on them, faulted them for their... for for. Um, he said, you know, you're, you're tithing even more than I've asked to this little nth degree. He said, but you're being in, inattentive to the greater issues of love and justice and gracious. So they did all this. They tied to the bone, but they weren't merciful and they weren't full of love. 
injustice. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, he says, you know, he says, those things you ought to do, you ought to tithe. He said, but don't neglect the other. You know, faith works by love. Faith works by love, and it takes faith to give to the kingdom of God when you've got bills and all that. You know, I don't look at it. I don't question it. I don't say, oh, do I have it? Nope. Just do it. That's God's problem, you know. But I'm just saying, your eyes are on him and what he has said. And so here, they're all about the tithe, but you know what? There's no love. There's no love. And so their giving is really negated because they think all this outward show is getting it. But God's saying, you need to give attention to love and mercy as well. And so he didn't say you don't need to tithe, but he just said you bring it together. That's why it's a, what does he say he's unwilling to do without? A cheerful giver. One whose heart is in his giving. And he's like, oh, I'm going to give it. The pastor said, you know, my Bible says, you know. Well, your heart's not in it. You know what? You're not going to reap what God has for you. Put your heart in it. Christ clearly approved tithing, but he also wanted them to practice love and mercy. Giving and generosity are taught in other places also in scriptures. In Philippians 4, verses 10, 14 through 19, Paul writes to confirm and approve the generosity of the Philippians. That's, I read that. talks about that. He says that your offerings come up to, to God like a fragrance it, that God welcomes. And then he goes on to say, and my God will supply your every need. When you give this, it comes up before God and he is supplying your every need. So that's another place where he talks about giving in Second Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. He, he's, speaking, he's talking to the Corinthians about their liberal giving. And a lot of them were liberally giving even in hard economic times. And they're giving. And they're even asking for the opportunity to give. I'm just talking about our hearts in worship, in giving. Jesus calls us to give. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will it be put into your bosom? That place, that expression refers to the clothing that they had on. There was an apron on the front of their clothing. And Jesus is saying, you hold that out. You hold that apron out. And it will hold more than your hand could ever could ever hold and could ever get and God will abound back to you as you learn his way of giving he said he'll do it pressed down running over that's how he gives back to us and he's just saying in that place that your hand can't even hold pull it out I'm going to pour into it remember the rich one young ruler had everything did everything but would not let go he wouldn't let go he went away sad because Jesus told him well go and sell everything Oh, that. I'm just saying, why not give it to God? Man, it, he multiplies. He does more than we could ever imagine. That's what he's done for Al and I. And I'm telling you what, we haven't had perfect finances and never had problems. But I tell you what, my, our confidence is in God and we just sow and we just keep sowing. And my confidence is not in retirement, what I can store for, what I can figure out. We are not good finance figure-outers, I'll tell you right now. Are we, honey? No. But you know what? God makes a way. And he does it way better than we could ever think. It's the truth. God has built the order of our world. He's built the order. He's made the way of doing things, not us. And it can't be reversed because it is as much his will as any of his natural laws. Giving imparts 
blessing. The blessing you receive in giving returns to you because something is released in the invisible realm according to God's reciprocal law of giving. It is a spiritual principle that I want all of you to be blessed with. I want to tell you, I don't know what you give. You're saying, oh, she's looking at me. She knows I this or I that. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't know what you do. I want you to be blessed. That's what I want. And I want you to just come in line with God's ways because they're beautiful. It's like we want somebody to be saved. We tell them because we know the blessings of being saved. So you try to help people come to salvation. When we live as people who worship him with faithful stewardship of our finances, there comes a release, an outflowing, and an overflowing of God's abundance because we have aligned our lives with the order of his ways. It's just like coming to church. We align our lives with the order of his ways. God responds to those who align with his ways. We line up with it. He's able to do what he said. Because he has built the gracious response into his system. His way of doing things. It, you know, in the Amplified Bible, in the Matthew, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. In the Amplified, it says, In his way of doing and being. Look, we've already lived our way of doing and being. It's not good. It doesn't work. It's crummy. So we need to seek and find his way of doing and being. And as you faithfully worship him, watch as the grace he gives to you abounds. Not because you bought it, not because you earned it, but rather because you have learned to align yourself with his ways and come into obedience with what he shows you. And whether we're gathering together with the saints as a discipline or walking with him in private worship or being faithful in stewardship or in our corporate worship, we have learned the way of God's people who function in all the facets of worship with obedience. And when this happens, there is a rich reward that comes our way. Be expecting it. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your ways. The Bible says that your thoughts are not our thoughts, your ways are not our ways, and your ways are higher than ours, and we are grateful. I lived in the low ways of my life and what I thought was best. Hey, your ways are higher and they are best, and we are grateful. Father, when we're walking in ways that aren't your ways, we ask you to show us, to remind us, pull back blinders, Pull back self-deception when we think we know better than you do. God, help us. You're so loving and kind. You just want to lift us up. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father. I'm expectant, and I'm believing great things to happen in the lives of your loved ones tonight. Father, in their finances, in their worship, in their speaking encouragement to each other. Father, in, in just the great things you're doing. Father, I thank you. You are the lifter of our heads. And I like that because it causes us to look upon you. We just thank you tonight.